This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, it's me, Rich Bradbury, and welcome to the all-new Resource Centre, your one-stop shop for insights and strategies to help build and grow your business. In recent years, the concept of sustainability has taken centre stage in the corporate world, transcending beyond a mere buzzword to become a cornerstone of modern business practices. This shift is largely attributed to the escalating environmental and social challenges that have emerged in the wake of rapid industrialization and globalization. And amidst this backdrop, uh, backdrop, the Environmental, Social and Governance, or ESG, framework has emerged as a vital tool for businesses, uh, guiding them towards aligning their strategies and operations with sustainability goals and principles. As companies navigate the dynamic changes in the sustainability agenda, examining how these shifts are influencing the game plan and conversations within the business community, they're also seeking insights into practical strategies for integrating ESG goals into core business operations, prioritizing investments in ESG initiatives and managing ESG-related tasks and risks, rather. Uh, today, I'll be speaking with Professor Glenn Hetker, Professor of Business Strategy and the Foundation Chair of Sustainability and Business at Melbourne Business School to delve into the evolving landscape of sustainability and ESG and key considerations Malaysian companies should look at to step up their pace on the ESG rollout. We'll be particularly focusing on recent developments, some challenges and the future updates and the future outlook. And if you have any thoughts, you can get us on our U-Mobile WhatsApp number, 018 018- 7898899 reach out to us on x we're also at bfm radio welcome to the show professor glenn hetker how are you good morning richard i'm fine it's good to see you quite the introduction i managed to get through there i thought that was pretty good right are we are we about right with that introduction would you say glenn absolutely i think the the key point is that in the last 3 years or so esg has just become despite a bit of a blowback that I'm sure we'll talk about later, just taken for granted mm. uh, in companies. It's still struggling about how to implement it, but that it is something that just has to happen. Yeah, I think for exactly the reasons you mentioned, climate change is driving a lot of this has become critical. And it's interesting because companies are seeing this across this whole range of stakeholders that they work with. Employees, customers, providers of finance, regulators, everyone expects them to up their game. Mm. And you particularly see this in terms of attracting and retaining the best employees. Uh, strong ESG credentials can be a really important part of that employee value proposition. Yeah. And firms are recognizing that a strategy that incorporates ESG can really drive better strategic and financial performance. Mm-hmm. And in, it can also be something about you know, attracting the best staff as well, because a lot of people are becoming much more familiar with what ESG is and the guidelines behind it and the principles in particular behind it. Absolutely. And also less willing to work for a company where they don't feel a match in terms of those values. Yeah. Okay. Let's dive straight into things then. So this this concept of uh, sustainability, it's been around uh, for a long time. Uh, obviously, it's become more prominent in, in the modern era due to rapid industrialization, globalization, uh, increasing environmental social impact of what we've done as a species. Now, um, The framework as a subset of sustainability has gained more attention, as we've said, in popularity, perhaps in the last six years, we could argue. Uh, Now, how has that 
sustainability agenda and ESG shifted in the past, let's say, three years? And what's becoming, do you think, more central in these conversations that we're having within and amongst businesses? I would say climate change, for the reasons you mentioned, has has really started to sort of become center stage. A lot of uh, directors and executives would tell me that's 80 to 85 percent of their ESG discussions are really about climate change. But coming up really quickly behind it is biodiversity and um, preservation of nature. And it's interesting because sometimes those line up. Mm. If we can preserve an old growth forest, that helps absorb carbon and helps mitigate climate change. But sometimes they're in conflict. We've had a problem here in my home state of Victoria where there was a wind farm planned and it was um, blocked because of the risk it might face to marine wildlife. Oh, really? So, yes. So we've got the, these two concerns um, really coming up. And I think one of the sort of really leading edge challenges for managers right now is how to balance these and ideally how to sort of line them up. Mm-hmm. Okay. So not not too long ago, you had a, um, a two-day course uh, for senior civil uh, civil servants of the Sarawak government, uh, and it was, you were talking about sustainable development and economic growth, uh, and you spoke with a number of corporate leaders, from what I understand, about ESG. Um, what were your observations uh, on the readiness of the government or even corporations uh, in Malaysia to embark on these next steps? It's a really exciting time. It was a great set of conversations. Um, like anywhere, I think different organizations were at different stages in in their journey. Some were quite sophisticated. Some would admit they were fairly early. Mm. Uh, the general tenor of the discussions um, I picked up was really that at a national level, people feel Malaysia's um, early days in its sustainability journey, but it's really promising. And one of the things that struck me was there is a lot of confidence that Malaysia could advance quickly in terms of sustainability and ESG. There was a belief that doing so would contribute to economic growth. Yeah. And there was a real willingness to um, put in the hard work that was required to bring that about. And in terms of the government, um, I think there are a lot of important pieces being in place. And it's interesting uh, the degree to which that is explicit mm-hmm. in government policy. You know, if you look at the 12th Malaysia plan, it's got three themes, and one of them is advancing sustainability. So there are um, a lot of pieces on the table, and and I think things are aligning for an exciting next three to five years. Quietly confident then, Glenn, would you say? Yes, yeah. I think that's a fair characterization. Yeah. Okay, how do you think companies in Malaysia can effectively integrate ESG goals into their core business strategies uh, currently? That's a great question because a lot of companies early on just sort of naturally focus on compliance. Yeah. You want to make sure you're following the policies, you're doing all the reporting. Ticking the boxes. You got it. Yeah. But when you start to really make the difference and get the power is when you integrate ESG into your strategy. Mm. And let me share a a story with you um, that we can then kind of generalize because I I think it's an interesting roadmap. There's a company in the U.S. called Prologus. It uh, manages logistics, real estate, warehouses. Mm-hmm. It also happens to be the second largest non-utility provider of solar energy in the U.S. And that goes back to 2007. And they noticed that there was this growing interest in solar power. Mm-hmm. And someone looked at the roof and said, we have 45 million square meters of rooftop 
doing nothing but keeping the inside of our buildings dry. And that's good, but surely we can do more. So in an interesting move, they actually leased their rooftops out to utilities and developers separately from leasing out the inside of the warehouse and let those folks put in solar panels. Right. At the time, if you went to their website in 2007, 2010, you probably wouldn't see much notice of that. Mm-hmm. They didn't they didn't want to change what they did. Right. They they were a logistics provider, they had convenient, secure, well-instrumented warehouses. They didn't want people to think maybe they were taking their eye off the ball mm-hmm. and focused on this certain stuff. Mm-hmm. Go forward to the mid-2010s, and they've been learning about sustainability because they've been doing this, and they've realized that now there's this new value proposition. Mm-hmm. They can go to their customers and say, we can help you achieve your sustainability goals. Right. And they also recognize now that they're getting some real advantages because they're attracting staff who like to work with them and stay. They have this new value proposition and that has really made them a leader in this area. Mm. So let's back that out a little bit because it's a neat example, but how, you know, how do we generalize it? Like anything a firm does strategically, sustainability, ESG can really only change three levers. It can change your revenue, your cost, and your risks. That should be familiar to managers, but somehow we sometimes don't bring that discipline to thinking about ESG. <laughs> now, if I came to you and said, well, how is ESG affecting your revenue, cost, and risk? That's way too big a question. Yeah. So the other piece is to think about, well, there are kind of three arenas for sustainability. There's your product, what you make. There's your process, how you make it. And there's your purpose, why do you exist? So let's go back to that um, Prologis example. When they started, they didn't want to go into a new product, but they looked at the process of how they managed their properties mm. and said, there's an opportunity. In fact, we can make revenue here. Mm. It's always nice when your process can generate revenue go up to the 2015s and they said, we could actually make our product greener and that's going to drive revenue. Mm. And when we start putting into our purpose that we're going to provide sustainable, environmentally friendly logistics services, we drive down employee turnover and that reduces our costs. And because we're buying less energy from the grid, we're less affected by energy prices bouncing up and down, mm-hmm. so we've reduced our risk. Mm-hmm. Any manager, just as a start, can step back and say, okay, ESG sustainability, how is that going to affect my product, what I make, my process, how I make it, my purpose, why I exist? And how can I improve that trade-off between revenue, cost, and risk across those? It's a simple framework, it seems familiar, but it's a really nice way of starting to think about that ESG challenge yeah. and how you connect your strategic outcomes. Yeah, yeah. I want to speak to you when we come back uh, a little bit more about risk, uh, because obviously that's something that is quite uh, top of mind for a lot of people making these decisions about how heavily they want to be involved in ESG. Um Let's take a short break. Uh, Folks, I've got on the line with me right now Professor Glenn Hetker, the Professor of Business Strategy and the Foundation Chair of Sustainability and Business at Melbourne Business School. This is Resource Centre, of course. We're discussing sustainability and ESG. Uh, We'll be right back after these messages here on Resource Centre on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 
Better Finance Management. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome back to Resource Center. I'm Rich Bradbury. This is your one-stop shop for insights and strategies to help build and grow your business. I'm Rich Bradbury, as I just mentioned. Uh, Today on Resource Center, we're discussing sustainability and ESG and key considerations companies and Malaysian companies should look at to step up their pace on ESG rollouts. I'm here with Professor Glenn Hetker, Professor of Business Strategy and the Foundation Chair of Sustainability and Business at Melbourne Business School. Um, Glenn, just before the break, we were talking, you you mentioned risk a little bit, uh, and that's something Mm -hmm. I kind of want to loop back around to. What do you think are the key... ESG-related risks that businesses should be aware of, and and how can they effectively manage some of those risks? And I'm assuming that these risks risks are different depending on on where you are and on what point of that ladder uh, you are on the ESG kind of uh, on the ESG ladder, I guess. Uh, absolutely, and there there's some of the risks that are are sort of obvious, and and let's just focus on climate change. Mm. Um, we know that climate change is causing more extreme weather. Um, In KL, for example, there's now a heat island of about four to six degrees warmer than it would have been without climate change. Now think about what that means for the productivity of your workforce if they work outside. Or the risks that more severe storms and flooding might pose to your facilities. Mm -hmm. Or if you're in agriculture or forestry, what either more rain or less rain might do to you. So There are those physical risks, and that's largely an issue of um, making your facilities more physically resilient, strengthening them against storms, for for example, Uh, maybe moving where you're located, move out of the floodplain, for example, don't build where sea level rise is a threat. But then there's this other set of threats that it's easy for firms not to think about, those threats related to transition to hopefully a more sustainable economy. Mm -hmm. And those are things like policies being passed by government that might make it more expensive to do something that's not very sustainable or to mine coal, Mm -hmm. for example, or consumer preferences changing. We're seeing uh, finally in Australia, the growth of electric vehicle sales. And if a big part of your business relied on servicing petrol cars, that's a threat. Yeah. Here in Victoria, they've, um, they're passing regulation that says how new houses will not be able to have gas hookups. They'll have to rely on electricity. Yeah. Well, obviously, if you sell gas, that's an issue. But if you're a plumber and part of your business was construction laying down gas lines, that's now a threat. So... It's important for firms to think about not just those physical risks, but also as society tries to adjust mm. to transition. What are they going to face? Mm. And which ones are most important are really going to depend on the sector you're in. Um, but generally, if, if 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 you step back and think about who are my most important stakeholders and what do they care most about, mm. you can find yourself pretty quickly to, to your biggest risks. Mm-hmm. Can I can I bring things a, a little local, Glenn? Yeah. Um, if we look at Malaysian companies, you know, there's uh, th- for a long time there's been heavy heavy reliance on oil and gas, and heavy mm-hmm. reliance on things like palm oil and, and whatever. And depending on who you listen to and who you talk to, some of those industries are controversial. Um, 
uh, in you know different eyes. But when we speak about Malaysian companies, how can they t- uh, turn their sustainability efforts into a strategic advantage, uh, particularly in sectors that have been heavily reliant on natural resources? A great question. So let, let's think about forestry yeah. as an example. And, and we can go back to that idea of product process and, and, and purpose. If the purpose you have in managing a forest is really just serving the timber industry, mm. that's becoming increasingly contentious yeah. in, in many eyes. But of course, there are other things and other purposes you could have in managing that forest. And that could lead to changes in process. Uh, right now, it's you know, economically very efficient to clear cut and plant just a monoculture. One, you know, the same tree everywhere. But there are alternative approaches to forest management, more agroforestry, less monoculture, that today might be a little bit more expensive, might require some changes and some learning, but all of a sudden mean you have a forest being managed in a way that still provides economic activity, maybe even opens up new markets and is less contentious. Mm. You could even think in certain regions about, can we change the product? Mm -hmm. Is it maybe not cutting the trees down, but leaving them up? and using them to generate carbon offsets and sell carbon credits. In some places, is it tourism? So you may actually have forest management in certain settings, rethinking its purpose and moving away from cutting the trees down to finding new ways to generate economic activity by leaving them up. Right. Yeah, it's just adopting a different way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And and that is a challenge when the old ways have been highly successful. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's becoming increasingly clear that if you go out five years, ten years from now, the old ways are not going to be acceptable, are not going to work. The market for the product will yeah. be there to the same degree. Yeah. And you know, one option is keep doing what you're doing until the very last moment. But then you're trying to change quickly. Mm. And we know that that's expensive and likely to fail. Mm. Or you can start making changes now, consistently invest, make small changes, learn, build up capabilities, and then just have more time to yeah. make that transition. Okay. Just before we take another break, Glenn, is there's this perception, and I've spoken to companies about this you know, many times, that aligning uh, practicing and, and even reporting ESG can be an expensive process. Uh, and so for many companies, they it's not that they choose not to, but they kind of drag their heels a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, how, how much of that would you say is, is true? And what would your advice be to these businesses? I mean, I know it seems obvious now that we're talking about it. It's like, look, this is the way that things are going. You know, um, like it or lump it, you're going to have to do it at some point, you know. How mm-hmm. do you, what kind of conversations do you have with companies that are like this? Uh, you are exactly right. Particularly when you're starting it up, it will be expensive. Yeah. But the costs of not being able to meet your stakeholders' expectations around ESG and demonstrate that you're doing so, um, those are increasing quickly and they're just going to continue to increase. Mm-hmm. 
more than that, if you do ESG well and really integrate it into firm strategy, it can generate advantages, as we talked about in terms of reducing cost, avoiding risks, increasing revenue. So that investment will almost always be worth it. And, and a little ironically, the firms that try to get away with doing the least they can as slowly as they can are the most likely to incur just the costs, but not get any of those offsetting benefits. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the messages I have for managers and that you're going to have to make some of these changes. Mm. And if you do them minimally, you're just going to get the costs and disruption. Mm. If you put the effort in to integrate it into your strategy, to be a little more transformational about your approach, then in addition to the costs, you'll be able to capture some benefit. Right. It feels like you should be the way in which you pay off a credit card bill. You pay off the minimum amount, of course. You know, over time, you're going to get hit with that interest. That's a really good metaphor. Okay, Um, let's take a short break. Uh, You're listening to Resource Center, your one-stop shop for insights and strategies to help build and grow your business. And today we're discussing sustainability and ESG, uh, key considerations Malaysian companies should look at to step up their pace on the ESG rollout. I'm with Professor Glenn Hedker, the Professor of Business Strategy and the Foundation Chair of Sustainability and Business at Melbourne Business School. We'll be right back after these messages here on BFM 89.1. Boring, fake, macho. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, welcome back to Resource Centre, your one-stop shop for insights and strategies to help build and grow your business. I'm Rich Bradbury. Now, today we are discussing sustainability and ESG and key considerations companies, and particularly Malaysian companies, should look at to step up their pace on ESG rollout. I'm with Professor Glenn Hedker, Professor of Business Strategy and the Foundation Chair of Sustainability and Business at Melbourne Business School. Uh, Glenn, thank you for sticking around with me. I've had a great chat with you so far. And um, when we look at some of the more significant business challenges, uh, uh, sorry, some of the more significant challenges businesses face when it comes to implementing effective ESG strategies, what do you think they are? Uh, and how can companies look at these strategies easier and make it easier for them to overcome these strategies? I think one of the biggest challenges we observe is really a capabilities gap. Uh, on the one hand, this is something new. And so it's natural mm. that leaders don't have a lot of expertise in it. On the other hand, you can get so focused on the new part of it that you can lose track of how it connects to the good old stuff we already know about running firms. Yeah, And so we think about three layers of knowledge that managers need to develop and implement a good sustainability strategy. Uh, the, that bottom layer is just a foundation of, an, and let's use climate change as an example again, just an understanding of the, the basic science of climate change. Yeah. And it really doesn't need to be that deep. We found we can cover it in 90 minutes and give people what they need. But if you don't understand so much of the discussion that happens in the newspaper, on the news and reports, you hear the words, but if you don't really know them, it's easy not to quite fully understand them. So climate foundation knowledge, there's your start. The second is how does this affect businesses? This is really that question of how does it affect strategy? 
And we got to start on that when we talked about just, you know, revenue cost and risk. Yeah. And then the top of that pyramid, if you will, is given my role as a finance professional, an HR professional, an accounting professional, what's my role in implementing the firm's sustainability strategy? Right. And so recognizing that you need to give everyone that base climate knowledge, but you can't stop there, that then you have to follow up with tie it to strategy and then tie it to people's individual roles. Yeah. That's really that path to solving the capabilities gap. And it really sets up firms to, to be effective. Mm. Now, I remember um, 2006 uh, watching An Inconvenient Truth. Al Gore, of course, the documentary, uh, if you're familiar, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with it. Um, and I remember watching that as part of um, my leadership at, at a company that I was working at. They made us sit down and they made us watch it. And for me, that was, I mean, I, I was interested in the topic anyway, but there were people obviously who were unfamiliar with this topic or rather didn't know it so in depth. And seeing something like that with a title like that really made a difference and really drove it home for some people. And that kind of movement within the office space was done by leadership from the top down. How important is it, do you think, that there are people on the board and senior executives who are you know, more than familiar with this idea of not just climate change, but with ESG in general? Mm-hmm. It's absolutely critical. Um, a successful ESG strategy can't be separate from a successful overall strategy. And that's the realm of boards and senior execs. Yeah. Also, ESG success, like any initiative, is going to require investment of money, time, managerial attention. You have to set KPIs. You have to align remuneration and promotion to those KPIs. And at the top level, that's those are the decisions that belong to boards and mm. senior execs. Mm. But it's not sufficient. Really, no matter how thoughtful and sincere the top-line ESG strategy is, it's a much broader group of managers and staff who are going to be involved in implementing that strategy. Yeah. And if that larger group doesn't have that foundation to understand the whys and hows, and we find that that's actually pretty common, they're really going to struggle to implement it. Mm. Um, and that knowledge can't just sit with the sustainability team. Uh, you know, it needs to be with business unit owners. Um, with functional leaders. Mm. Um, So boards and senior execs play a critical role in setting the strategy. And they also have to be part of being sure that it's well understood across the firm. Have you encountered um, um, examples where the the culture of ESG is quite heavy uh, amongst the majority of workers? And yet, the the leadership isn't necessarily in the same place yet. And there seems to be like a push and pull between these two parties. Have you encountered that? Absolutely. And it's really interesting that different firms have this sort of understanding gap at different places. Yeah. Sometimes it does sit with you know, the board and the senior execs completely understand it. They tell the business unit owners, go off and do our strategy and the business unit owners have no idea. Mm. But I've also worked with organizations where it's the people in a business unit who see the opportunity, who are excited about it, excited about the difference it could make in terms of impact and performance. Yeah. 
And they take it up to the senior execs. They take it up to the board. They say, we need investment in this. Um, and, and it's simply not understood yeah. up top. Yeah. And, and it, I think it's worth managers sort of stopping and, and looking at their own company and seeing if that understanding gap is there. And if so, sort of where, where's the weight on it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what would you suggest then? I mean, in terms of you've got a workforce that you, you know you want them to understand this. I mean, is something as simple as sitting them down, getting them to watch a documentary the, the, a good first step? It can be a good step. But one of the challenges when you do that is because people start with really different priors, some people will find it confrontational and, and, and you know, respond in a negative way, push yeah. it back. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, it's interesting that one of the ways I um, introduced this idea to a lot of, of managers or others who I think may be a little suspect is what you and I believe about ESG or climate change, et cetera, is about as relevant as what we think about double entry bookkeeping and financial regulation. <laughs> Our stakeholders think this is important. Yeah. If we're going to be good strategic decision makers, we need mm. to understand it. Mm. I can't tell you what you should do with that understanding, but I can tell you how to think about it, you know, the tools to think about it and why it's important. Mm-hmm. And I actually find if you start that way, it, it lowers the heat. Right, and it often leads to people being a little bit more open to um, taking in a broader view, and and they may change their priors. Uh, but regardless, they're understanding why it's part of making them more effective in the company and the company more effective. Got it. Okay, we need to take uh, the final break here, Glenn, if you don't mind. Folks, I'm on the phone with Professor Glenn Hetka, the Professor of Business Strategy and the Foundation Chair of Sustainability and Business at Melbourne Business School. Here on Resource Centre today, we are discussing, of course, sustainability and ESG and key considerations Malaysian companies should look at to step up their pace on ESG rollout. We'll be right back after these messages here on BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Resource Center. This is your one-stop shop for insights and strategies to help build and grow your business. I'm Rich Bradbury. We are discussing sustainability and ESG and key considerations Malaysian companies should look at to step up their pace on ESG rollout. I'm with Professor Glenn Hetka, Professor of Business Strategies, uh, Strategy rather, and the Foundation Chair of Sustainability and Business at Melbourne Business School. Um, Glenn, uh, we, we touched on metrics and KPIs a little bit um, which are crucial for obviously measuring and tracking their ESG performance. One thing that I know you've been speaking about, I've been speaking about, the whole world has been speaking about in the last uh, few months and, and, and perhaps a couple of years is AI. And, and mm-hmm. it's, it's in every conversation. How uh, and what role do you think these digital tools uh, and technologies play in enhancing stuff like ESG reporting and compliance uh, and um, in in what way and how uh, involved do you think they are now and how involved do you think they're going to be moving forward? I think they're 
going to be increasingly involved, but I think it's uh, the somewhat less flashy types of technology where we've got some of the biggest impact. And just think about digital tools like sensors and control technology. Yeah, We can now make buildings and their systems so much more efficient just by being sure we're only cooling specific areas. Yeah. Um, sensor technologies in uh, electric delivery vans in a lot of companies is being used along with AI, not just to work out the ideal charging schedule, but to do predictive maintenance, mm -hmm. to replace components based on their usage, not just every six months. Uh, if you move outside, drones and even satellite photography can help support agriculture, forestry. Um, and so anything that gives you finer grained, more timely data helps you understand where your investment is going to provide the best financial and ESG returns. Mm. I have to admit, I'm not as optimistic about say, generative AI in, in this area. And there are already lots of companies that will be happy to take your data and use AI to produce your sustainability strategy yeah. report for yeah. you or your materiality analysis. And my concern here is it's not so much the artifact at the end of that process, it's the process itself mm -hmm. that ends up being really valuable. That's where conflicting views get worked out. You build common understandings, you develop buy-in, and just having the computer hand you the report short circuits all of that. And I think it leads to probably less effective um, reporting and strategy making. I think that's so, fair, fair to say, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so I think there, there's huge potential in sort of the Internet of Things and sensor technology and AI supporting that. Mm. The AI replacing thinking in and strategizing, uh, I think that falls short. Okay. Now, one of my concerns is that um, there are some companies, uh, whether they're local or they're international, jumping in with this uh, quote-unquote ESG frenzy. Um, mm -hmm. And they often make kind of tacit agreements or they kind of uh, will make superficial, uh, let's say, ESG commitments. Um, how do we make sure that these commitments are uh, genuine uh, and impactful sustainability practices? How do we, I guess in a way, how do we hold them, I don't want to say accountable, but is accountable the right phrase to use? I think it's a useful phrase, and but some, you know, avoiding the ESG issue of the day Yeah, and really looking at where your organization is best positioned to make an impact on the world hmm. and being sure that you can accomplish it. And as is often the case, um, one of the first pieces of advice is to slow down. Um, you know, it, it, there, there is this pressure to just, you know, get your target out there, make your announcement today. But if you take the time to really understand what are you committing to and why are you committing to it? And, you know, tying it back to your strategy, your product, your process, your purposes, yeah. to the impact you're wanting to have. Mm -hmm. And really understanding what that connection is. That's one thing that will help it stick mm. and make it long term. The other part is this really delicate balance of being willing to stretch. You know, we want companies to be ambitious in this area, but having at least a rough roadmap in hand as to how you might achieve those goals. And 
if you've taken the time to build up some capabilities, build up some confidence, start to align the types of resources that you're going to need before you make that commitment, you're much more likely to be able to succeed. And so I'm, I'm very sympathetic and appreciative uh, of managers who are you know, wanting to get that target out there, but really taking the time to connect it to strategy and not build the full roadmap to how to accomplish it, but, but be sure that it's realistic yeah. for them. Um, it just makes it more likely to have it succeed for the firm, but also make the impact on the um, society, the planet. And we need that because mm -hmm. really, uh, and I think this is such an important point to remember, business has this set of financial capital, technical capital, human capital, political capital that positions it to help us address our ESG issues in a way no other type of institution can. Yeah. So really having that driven by solid, achievable, but stretch goals is really important. Professor Glenn Hetker, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. It has for me too. Uh, folks, I was speaking with Professor Glenn Hetker, Professor of Business Strategy and the Foundation Chair of Sustainability and Business at Melbourne Business School. You have been listening to the all-new Resource Centre, your one-stop shop for insights and strategies to help build and grow your business. If you missed any part of this conversation, you can catch the podcast on our website at bfm.my or download the BFM app. And you can also find our shows, of course, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any other podcast players. Just search for Resource Centre. Looking ahead, we've got the 12 p.m. news bulletin, and then it's the all-new Enterprise Explores. That's the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from the headlines to the bottom line. I'm Rich Bradbury. Keep it here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.